I speak of promised land, soil as soft as mama's hands, running water, standing still, endless fields of daffodils and chamomile, rice under black beans, walked in the apple with cracked screens and told prophetic stories of freedom, found warmth in a black queen for when I get cold like Nat King, I'm doing the dad thing. I speak of wondrous, unfamiliar lessons from childhood, make you remember how to smile good. I'm pre-currency, post-language, anti-label, pro-famous, I'm Broadway Joe Namath. Kanye's best prodigy. He ain't signed me, but he proud of me. I got some ideas that you gotta see. Make a vid with Shorty and they ship it like the Odyssey. They never seen a rapper practice modesty. I never practice. I only perform. I don't even warn. I don't eat it warm. I won't be reborn. I speak to God in public. I speak to God in public. He keep my rhymes in couplets. He think the new dish jam. I think we mutual fans. I used to dance to Michael. I used to dance in high school. I used to pass out music. I still pass out music. The people's chant must be everything the people can't be. I'm getting artsy fartsy, house full of some Hebrew brandies. You must have missed the come up. I must be all I can be. Call me Mr. Mufasa. I had to master stampede. I made it through, made it through, made it through. And everything I gave to you, I gave to you, I gave to you. You got it, you got it, you got it. It's coming. Are you Black Arts and Cultural Program for African Sisters Media Network. And we are listening to Chance the Rapper, Blessings. And blessings and blessings to everyone. Um, ah, a shade to the ancestors. Um, this is Wanda's Picks, a Black Arts and Cultural Program. And we are so excited to have a conversation with some folks that are going to help us honor the ancestors, particularly those ancestors that were denied their freedom. Um, Their bodies were not their own to do with as they desired. Of course, you can't own a person's mind, but when you own a person's body, you know, it's uh, really easy to also enslave the mind and the spirit. Except for, you know, freedom. Freedom is something that uh, cannot be suppressed no matter how many centuries um, one might look at that particular notion, freedom, as a concept one can't quite wrap one's mind around. And we are speaking uh, in conversation uh, with Johanna uh, Haygood, uh, Veronica Blair, and Stephen Anthony Jones this morning, um, Zako Dance Theater, 
and the Bayview Opera House Incorporated is presenting Flying to Freedom, celebrating Juneteenth through aerial dance, music, and theater, a collective reflection on liberation created and performed by Bay Area music, theater, dance, and aerial artists and curated by, again, uh, Joanna Haygood who is the founder and artistic director of Zocco Dance Theater. Performances are 8 p.m. on Friday, June 16th and Saturday, June 17th, and tickets are 10 to $35. And to purchase tickets, you can go to flyingtofreedom.eventbrite.com. And uh, Juneteenth is a national holiday. Yes, everyone is honoring our ancestors. Um and um, I believe that freedom um, is something that all human beings uh, have a right to. And Juneteenth is actually June 19th, and it references June 19th, 1865 um, in Texas um, when the information arrived uh, to these Africans that they were free. Two years after Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, he signed it January 1st, 1863, as you remember. Um, and Juneteenth became a national holiday in 2021. And if you're in the Bay Area, um, definitely I encourage you to get over to um, the concourse and uh, and visit the 350 ancestors that surround the plinth and, and look uh, in the distance where you see Lift Every Voice um, on the uh, the music um, uh, I'm trying to think the music uh, stage stadium music stage which is uh, also in the Conquers. Um each artist's uh, con- contribution is unique um, and uh, for example theater artist Stephen Anthony Jones' work, Flying to Freedom, examines the accounts of African Americans who were told stories of black people who literally literally flew away to freedom. He explains, um, I look at accounts that were heard by children and adults, and I would draw on prose and poetry writing about, quote, Negroes who flew away, end quote. Aerialist uh, Veronica Blair's contribution is thank you, forgiveness, with an exclamation point. And Ariel's Ariel Silk's performance exploring the unpacking of trauma created to heal people in a public space. She says, one of the most important components of liberation is healing. Having lived through generations of perpetual harm and rejection, we as black people undoubtedly carry our stories and traumas in our bodies. Um, And that is so true. And um, we recorded this, um, this conversation earlier this month and um and yeah I'm really excited to share it with you and I hope that you're able to make it to um the uh Bayview Opera House um and uh, to witness and experience this wonderful program which like all Zako um productions is one that you feel in your body one that you live one that becomes a part of the tapestry that is you um, forever after. It's like that. <laughs> so you don't want to miss it, and it's for all. It's for the whole family, so make sure you try to get out there. So enjoy the conversation. Oh, you look fine, Steve. Okay. <laughs> well, we are really <laughs> excited to have um, 
some of our favorite people um, gathered here to talk about another Zako premiere performance. <laughs> and this one here is centering on Juneteenth, and it's called Flying to Freedom. And, you know, they fly at Zako, you know, theater. <laughs> so, um, so we have some of the principals, because this is a, a very star-studded cast that Joanna has, you know, curated and brought together. Uh, so, Joanna, why don't you tell us about Flying to Freedom and what it means? And, and I, think, I think it's a literal flying. <laughs> it's, it's a, a lot baby. of flying. It's yes. Be a baby kind of point, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, it's at the yeah. Bayview. It's at the Bayview Opera House. Nice. Nice. Um, yes. So it's on June sixteenth and seventeenth. Um, again at the at the Bayview Opera House, and as you said, a incredibly star-studded group of folks who have um, joined me in thinking about what it means to be liberated um in the black body here in the United States at this point in time. I some of us are referencing um kind of the work of our ancestors, but also kind of thinking through what it means today and what it means personally, what it means collectively. Um and you know being in dialogue together about some of the things that have come up for us. Uh, you know, during this this time, this has been, as you know, an incredibly tumultuous period in the last few years with COVID, and and certainly through our reckoning with um, what life has been for Black people in this country, and um, so it seems like a a really appropriate time to start thinking and um, kind of. Expressing, uh, creating, being in a creative um, dialogue with each other about about some of these um, issues and ideas. So, because we are really focused on flying, um, you know, <laughs> in our daily practices, um, and because there are so many rich metaphors and stories, particularly related to African Americans around the act of flying, it seemed a natural uh, course to, to bring that into, into the work. So there are a group of aerialists, but also storytellers like Stephen Anthony Jones, mm -hmm. um, musicians led by Tassie Long, mm -hmm. um, and together we are kind of wandering and uh, of exploring the idea of liberation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so Steve, I, I can also, I, well, I can just tell you too, let me just mention names because they're yes, um, so important to the process. And I'll just say that my part is one, bringing us all together, you know, creating, creating a situation where we can be um, in dialogue and, and offering prompts and so on. But it really is the work of these specific artists. Um, their their creations are what are being featured. Mm -hmm. So there's Stephen Anthony Jones, who you see here, who he will tell you about what he's making. Um, Tassie Long, who's a composer, mm -hmm. musician. Um, Amar Tabor Smith, who's a choreographer, mm -hmm. and we she and I are collaborating on something together. Mm -hmm. um, Veronica 
Blair, who's who's with us today as well, Tony Cannon, um, a really fantastic uh, Chinese pole aerialist, Eric Raymond K. Lee, choreographer that kind of is anchored in um, faith-based uh, work, mm -hmm. Jason Spann, also a brilliant um, aerialist from uh, San, now from San Diego, and um, the Zaku Youth Company, because because we need that energy, and of course, what expresses that sense of liberation, freedom, and unbound spirit better than children. Um, so that's that's the the amazing group of artists who are mm -hmm. who will be on the program. So okay, oh, there. Oops. Yeah, yeah, and then um, this is June sixteenth, right? June sixteenth and seventeenth, so Friday and Saturday. Yeah, yeah, and and you've been having programs. Well, you had some programs. I think it was last month, <laughs> leading. Oh yes, like yes, yes. We had a wonderful community event that invited uh, folks to come and to share their ideas about liberation and their experiences, mm -hmm. their challenges and struggles, and um, their strategies mm -hmm. for creating space for for their own liberation. And there were some wonderful performers, um, some of whom were youth from Feline Finesse, but there were fantastic um, activities that were uh, created by um, this a, a partner and assistant and brilliant mind, Afia Williams, who um, also, you know, uh, collaborated with me on this event. And so we did a collective poem together. People mm -hmm. built gorgeous collages. Um, there was, you know, a thousand cranes, not quite a thousand, but, you know, um, uh, some origami crane making. Uh, we had a beautiful conversation with the community in a circle um, led um, by Aliyah uh, Duns uh, Salahuddin, who you might know. Yes, um, yes, yes. The scholar? Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> At City College and, and the mm -hmm. Bayview Library. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And um, she was joined by Randy, um, I don't know why I'm blanking, oh, Sarah Gucci. Um, who's at Urban oh. Ed. Mm -hmm. ah. And um, so that, that was really, really wonderful and, and, and extremely meaningful. And particularly having the youth um, with us, it was very um, rich and with a kind of a multi-generational voice. So mm. it, was, it was really, really, really wonderful. So we got lots of good food and fodder and resources for what we're doing in gyms. Yeah, yeah. So did you did you capture any of this so that we did? Oh, yes, we did. We did. We did a little, you know, a few videos and some, um, you know, and some uh, audio recordings. Yeah, we all danced together too. The the kids led us in a dance um, at one point, just just kind of to free our bodies up from all the tension of the day, which was really beautiful. Mm, yeah, that sounds lovely. Yeah, yeah, it was really great. Oh, really well. great. Share out. I'll share. I'll share. <laughs> First, I have to edit, you know, and put it all together. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Gosh. So, Stephen Anthony Jones, you are one of the storytellers. I'm thinking about liberation, freedom, and freedom. That's something that you probably 
been thinking about for your whole life. And and I remember when you and uh, Joanna um, did something um, at the Oakland Museum mm-hmm. around around freedom and the Voting Rights Act and the um, Civil Rights Act. You all were uh, telling stories and marching throughout the garden. I can't remember the program, but mm-hmm. I, I know you and Joanna like you might have done things before, but I remember that specifically because <laughs> that has to do with liberation and freedom. But yeah, tell us, tell us about, you know, what you're bringing. Well, I was, I was struck by the idea of, of flying away and I did a little research and find that um, as African-Americans, we have a long history of storytelling and folk tales and blues songs and, and other things specifically about flying away. Uh, there's, there's the notion that you needed the bones of a black cat. And there are phrases, which I've sent to Joanna, which were the magic words that were used uh, when, the, when the slaves flew away. I mean, there's literally, uh, uh, there, there are more stories than I can count. And so I am uh, researching that. And then there's uh, this, uh, I mean, Robert Hayden wrote a poem called O Daedalus Fly Away. Um, we, we, our history is full of instances either where we flew away or we just simply said, I'm not having this anymore. And in some cases, people committed suicide. Um, but the idea of, of flying back to Africa uh, there's so much writing about it, and what I'm going to try to do, since as artists, uh, I believe that we are the last magicians. Uh, what we do is magic and magical, and we continue to bring that element into uh, the everyday lives of anybody who views our work, because the work transports. The work takes you from where you are to a place perhaps that you'd never thought of. And that is what I think we will do, uh, you know, when, with, with this piece. And it will it'll reconnect many of us, particularly, particularly the young people, to the idea that there is a way, there's always a way to get away if we have to, to to take us out of a situation that isn't good for us, and to, uh, and we can go back to that place where we started. Um, so I, I'm 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 looking at uh, literature and stories and folk tales that deal with that. Uh, there's a blues song that I love called "Take This Hammer," uh, and and. We will uh, incorporate these uh, these words and these stories in the work is, is done. Also, there's some wonderful folk tales uh, about uh, slaves who were tired of, of being pushed so hard, so they said some magic words, and the tools did the work. Oh. <laughs> oh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and then when the when the, there's a story where the overseer comes and sees the tools working and the slaves under the tree, and he goes over to the slaves and he's threatening to beat them, and they just say, "Okay, forget this." They say the magic words and fly away. They fly back. Always, always fly back to Africa. Always, in every version of the story. And the magic words in various versions of the story are very similar. Mm-hmm. Are very similar. So we're going to put those magic words out there. We're going to give them to people, and we're going to see who flies away. Oh, that's going to be heck of awesome. Wow, that's going to be really awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, well, I can hardly wait to get the words. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing a disappearing act like for real, for real, right? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then come back. <laughs> oh, that's going to be heck of awesome. Um, so, I, so Joanna, are, are you choreographing to the story? Uh, how is it working? Um, you know, Steve and well, we're still we're still in creation, and as I as I mentioned, there are a lot of different artists, so it's mostly about um, organizing their material in a way to that if that has a, that creates a certain cohesiveness mm-hmm. um, to the messaging. Yeah. So um, so that's what I'm doing. I mean, there are a number of stories that um, Stephen is bringing to the to the work, so they'll be spread out through out the um, performance as the music will. There will also be these different musical interludes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and so so will you be performing the story live, live. or will yes. it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because be I know sometimes live. you have soundtracks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, he'll 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 be live. Oh wow, that's gonna be so cool. So, yeah. so Stephen, which which um which collaboration is this for you with with Joanna? I know you all have collaborated, mm. like I mentioned. Oh gosh, I, uh, <laughs> you, I don't know. Is this the third or fourth? Uh, this is maybe fourth. This is it. I think maybe fourth. This this is the third or fourth thing that that we've we've done yeah. together. And uh, Joanna is such a wonderful, um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what the word is. She draws people together <laughs> so incredibly well. And, and a lot of times when you have this many cooks, <laughs> well, you know. You know the Funny about, porridge. Yeah, you, you know the phrase about too many, many cooks, but. But Joanna orchestrates, and I, I, I really think, and she never does it, you know, she doesn't sit down and tap on the table and call everything to order. <laughs> um, there is, it, it is part of her spirit and part of her gift. It really is, and I, I, I really and truly mean that. I don't know another Thank you. who is capable of bringing together so many very strong-willed voices and creating an incredible choir uh, those voices quickly sing together and we follow her leadership and it is part of the reason why i love her as an artist and as a person um she's absolutely uh, just a, a pleasure to work with 
and uh, you, you know, it, it, she just says, "I want you to come work on this project," and I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, <laughs> what are we gonna do?" <laughs> and that's where we start. It's it's fantastic. Well, I feel exactly the same way about you and everybody else. I mean, I, I just you know, it's been such a gift to work with, especially with Stephen, you know, on the projects that we have worked on, because um, one, he is so brilliant as an artist, but two, I mean, he's an extraordinary historian and resource um, in that way. So I feel like our our process is so deeply invested in the learning um, and sharing information, but I always feel like I'm being mentored. You know, it's just like, you know, Stephen shows up with like, you know, 12 books <laughs> and then we spend all that time digging into it, you know, so it's just, it's so, so rich and um, yeah, so I, I love working with you and I love working with Miss Veronica <laughs> for many of the same reasons, um, you know, there's a freshness and a interest and a, a, like a deep interest in history and our legacy and um, a real commitment to to that research um, that's just really, really inspiring. So, you know, I feel like my gift is I know all these fabulous people. It's <laughs> like, that's, that's actually a gift to me, right? <laughs> so anytime I go, hey, I just feel literally so so in, enriched and and so blessed to be in the circle of these incredible magicians <laughs> yeah so incredible i'm i'm going to uh, beg off okay yeah. thank you so much Stephen. Okay, great good. seeing you thank you thank you thank you Love so much you. thank you already okay be well okay veronica yeah Tell oh, us so about yeah. So great love to that. listen to. Yeah, so great. Because every time you go, hey, Joanna, like we just run. <laughs> like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> whatever you need. <laughs> now, what are we doing? <laughs> exactly as Steve said. So, um, yeah. So, my role um, in the show and this production, it sounds like it's going to be more of an experience for folks. Mm-hmm um immersive even uh, my role is that I'm going to be presenting um a piece that I was originally commissioned by Joanna to do which is called forgiveness thank you uh, or thank you forgiveness and it is literally um quite literally based off of Erica Badu's bag lady uh song and me at that point in my life, uh, feeling like I had too many bags, <laughs> carrying too much stuff. Um, and so uh, when Joanna contacted me and, and said, well, if I gave you a large space, what would you do? Why would you do it? And what would you call it? And I was like, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> um, I just started to dig deeper um, and and decided to really build something that was going to be not only healing uh, for myself because I do believe that all artists 
all of us magicians, we are healing something within ourselves through our work. Um, so I not only wanted to make something that was healing for myself, but healing for um, people who uh, watch it and who experience it. And um, I ventured out of my comfort zone a little bit. I always like to do that. Um, I'm manipulating. I'm working with these suitcases. And those suitcases uh, represent literal baggage that I'm carrying with me. Um, the audience kind of, they see me walking along with my, my luggage, with my suitcase, like without a care in the world. And then all of a sudden this weight um, starts to become apparent. And then my internal struggle, which you don't see initially, starts to show. And we go deeper and deeper and deeper down the, the, down the rabbit hole. And um, throughout this piece, I, I learn um, that or I discover that the change that I want to see in myself or in the world um, and my happiness is, is in me. And, mm-hmm. um, and so in turn, liberating my mind. Uh, yeah. And so that is what my piece is about. <laughs> wow. That sounds really yeah intriguing (laughs) (laughs) a lot of unpacking every time I perform this piece it's it's different so I'm Mm -hmm. really looking forward to performing like I'm so fortunate to to have the opportunity to perform this piece again this is the third time so uh, and it's evolved every single time I've done it so really enjoying performing it and and working interacting with this work and developing it as well Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's so mm-hmm. funny when you said um, third time and it's evolving. I just think about when I used to fly, how my suitcases, they only lasted so long because you know how they throw them like they're balls. And eventually, because they're not balls, they break, you know, a wheel yeah. comes off, you know, a, a handle <laughs> dislodges. And then eventually, you know, you're going to customer service saying, hey, y'all broke my bag. I can't use mm-hmm. this anymore. So I was thinking about, you know, these this, these suitcases that you mentioned, like the yeah. one from three years ago. Are you still carrying that one? If Not you at are, all. You have, a good, you have a good suitcase, right? And which, what I do probably you have. have I have like two. I have two of them for, from three years ago. Um, one is like just on life support at the moment, um, but I want to keep it. <laughs> so I'm going to take it in and, and have it. I found someone that could that knows how to fabricate and like how to how to fix props how to make props I'm going to take it in and have it fixed Uh, so what's inside the suitcases are different colors um, that represent different emotions or and or (laughs) um, they represent kind of the thing that's missing that I can't quite decipher that I can't put my finger on so I'm pulling out different colored fabrics from the suitcases. Um, and in this, in this iteration, I have a sequence where one of the suitcases opens and I'm thinking about what objects um, should be included, like what objects should tumble out of the suitcase um, as it pops open. Um, and that's kind of, that would be something new that I would be adding to the, to the piece. So, yeah, the, the suitcases, they go through it. Um, <laughs> I have about, I own about nine of them at this point. And, yeah, two of them are, are from the first 
<laughs> the first version of the act and I want to I want to try to preserve them as much as possible mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's something mm-hmm. about you know the black woman the black woman person the black woman body and luggage there's luggage I mean that that's yeah. that, that metaphor but just the thing um you know I just sort of you know the traveling mm-hmm. you know like you have you know not not having a permanent space um, mm. you know, like not mm. having enough space, period. So you have stuff in suitcases, you know, yeah. because you don't have anywhere to put it. Like you don't have enough drawers, you don't have enough dressers, you don't have enough bookshelves, you don't, you're like, you have too many shoes in your closet, you mm. know, like you have nowhere mm-hmm. to put this stuff. So <laughs> you put it in the suitcase. <laughs> yeah. Put it in the suitcase. Interesting. Just, <laughs> like women, we end up carrying so much because life is coming at us like left, right, up, down. We look, turn around. Oh, something's coming over that way. We turn to the to the right and the left. We look over our shoulder. So, and then also, I feel like there is this this like it's a, it's a part of our heart character and like who we are. Like we we gather things, we collect things because we could possibly use them again just in case you know like whether it's you know it's emotionally it's just or a kind word or it's that that reusable bag that we have too many of in the in the corner of the kitchen (laughs) um we we tupperware like we collect things even even the tupperware is significant like we have takeout so we keep that tupperware so we can load it up with food for the person that might need it or for the family member that's over um we don't get rid of anything (laughs) so yeah I think it's I think it's beautiful but I also think that there needs to be a reckoning with how much we are actually able to sustain carrying mentally emotionally physically um yeah yeah and then, and then the suitcase you might be carrying is your suitcase, but you're not, your stuff is not in there. You got other people's stuff in your suitcase. So you got your stuff in bags, you know, which don't hold up as well. So like you got, you know, you got those bags, like, you know, your reusable bags, but they don't last that long. They don't you know, last they that just, long. Paper, they don't leak, but eventually the seams mm-hmm. start becoming ripped. And, and you got this nice suitcase of Samsonite, let's say. Sorry, I gave a brief. But anyway, because yeah, those have gotten destroyed in airplanes too, airports too, for me. But yeah, and and you got everybody, like even people that are deceased, like ancestors stuff, in your doggone suitcase. Like why your are we carrying suitcase. this? Why are you carrying this? What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. On your bookshelves, on top of the TV. Just on your coffee table, you have a whole like uh, glass case. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In your space, in your stuff, you know. It's not your stuff too. It's like not your stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow, this is going to be really interesting. Oh man, I hope. I hope it's going to be documented. Like, <laughs> yes, it will be documented. Someone <laughs> wonderful is going to be documented. But I'm just, just thinking about. While you were saying that, it's like, um, and being pregnant, and and at one point when I was pregnant, I thought, wow, it is really busy, and you know, like in my body, there was just like so much going on. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I have 
I have Wayne's ancestors and my ancestors all up in my body right now at the same time. And everybody's like, going at it, you know, it's just like this strange moment of feeling like you're carrying an enormous world, you know? Um, I mean, carrying a baby is already like a, you know, science fiction movie or something, (laughs) but, but also feeling that the activity, you know, of, of two families is, is very powerful, but even, you know, just alone, right. Just, um, through our genetics and through Mm. our, through our behaviors that we've never been able to articulate, like why they are the way they are, but they are expressions of our ancestors, you know, and our Mm -hmm. our family histories. And yeah, it's really powerful stuff and really such, such, um, such great metaphors. These, mm. this luggage is provides yeah. the luggage provides great metaphors. Right, yeah, but I like the I I hadn't thought about that, but that is so true. You know mm-hmm. that, you know when you are pregnant um, mm-hmm. with a physical person, um, mm-hmm. or or you know being you're carrying somebody else's ancestors. Yeah, also. yeah. So you got like both worlds. It's a way, like it happens. That's the only time it really happens. It's the only time it happens. Yeah. Yeah, because once the being is is leaves the body, yeah, the being is its own thing, and and if it's a female, if it's not a female being, you're not in that person anymore. Like when you are your your daughter is carrying, like your mother is carrying you and carrying your grandchildren and carrying all the all the females to come and all the women, all the females from behind. But when you have a son, that moment mm-hmm. is really precious because when he's gone, yeah. it, you know, it's like yeah. a real different kind of sever, severance yeah. of that yeah. biology. Yeah, yeah, with the two worlds. Wow, I wish I would have thought of that when I was pregnant. <laughs> probably got you probably did and you I forgot was... because that's the other thing that happens when you're pregnant. You're like, what, 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 what was that? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember a thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, wow, thank you, Veronica. And Joanna, so I was thinking about how you have done so many liberation and freedom stories, you know, from mm-hmm. us being, you know, captured I'm not well, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, our, our ancestors are being captured mm-hmm. and being, you know, at a fort in San Francisco and it's freezing cold yeah. underneath, yes. <laughs> underneath the Golden Gate Bridge. And, yeah. and we're actually herded as, as, as uh, pedestrian observers, like we're not pedestrian because you can't be pedestrian in this vehicle. You are <laughs> in it. So mm-hmm. we get, we get like captured and branded it and, is. and yeah. brought here. And then meanwhile, you know, we've got, um, you know, folks that are ancestors and new ancestors and, you know, like sort of going back and forth. And I think there were suitcases. Yeah, <laughs> I know there were Ariel, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was poetry and there was music. And then I remember the one, and I don't remember what, what was that one called? The one on the, uh, at that fort in San Francisco. Invisible Wings. Invisible, Invisible Wings, wings. yeah. Oh, so wings. Oh, wow. Yeah, that yeah, was the most I, amazing flying experience because flying over Fort Point, often the wind was like, you know, 30, 35 miles an hour. So yeah. our costumes, and it's very, you know, maybe, 
I don't know, I'd say maybe about 660 or so, 70 feet up, you know, mm-hmm. and you're flying, you know, underneath the, you know, or beside the bridge and the wind is going and your skirt is flying and the stars are sparkling. And it was the most dramatic um, performance experience I think I've ever had. And, you yeah. know, and land, and we landed on top of this crane and, the, you know, the, the platform was about that big. It was really very, it was really quite an experience yeah but, yeah, but really did speak to that idea of just taking off you know trans being transported to a completely different place mm-hmm. either that yeah. through your mind through your body I mean I mean both of those things you know for me mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, and I remember yeah. I think you all did this at Jacob's Pillow too right yeah mm-hmm. and I got lost and saw it last year when I rented oh, the car, yes, I'm like, oh. that's where Joanna goes on the commission. It's like, yeah. there's forests in there and stuff because I saw pictures. Yeah. And I'm like, that's it. Like, oh my goodness. I mean, I'm like, I'm not happy to be lost, but I'm happy to be lost. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful spot. Yeah. Really yeah a lot of you, great history there. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, oh, I'm so excited to see <laughs> There it is. One day I'll be yeah. able to go there on purpose. Yeah. But I was thinking, I, I have this picture book called Wings. Oh, and, beautiful. Uh, yeah, by Christopher Myers. And it's about a little boy who actually, uh, he, he has wings, like, at birth, uh, and he can fly. Yeah. And, and people not, are not feeling him because he's different. Yeah. And he has one little friend who helps him realize how special and precious he is because he has wings and he can't fly. Uh-huh. And so then he sort of comes into himself. But I was just thinking about this because I couldn't find my People Who Could Fly book by the devil. Yeah. <laughs> But I was thinking also about, you know, the theme of liberation and freedom. And, and I remember you did something at um, African-American Art and Culture Complex with Rodessa was in it. And, and right. people had like those collars on and stuff. I mean, they had, a, yeah. they had them on in, in Invisible in, Wings. Invisible too. Wings, too. Yeah, Robert Henry that, Johnson wore those. Yeah, yeah, but that one, yeah. Was, mm-hmm. was he in that one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did he have the suitcase? No, no, but okay. he, but he, um, he, he wore the collar. Oh, and yeah, yeah. He wandered. He, he, he played a character of, um, of an enslaved man who escaped. Um, he, he had been captured, um, prior, and was, um, placed in this collar, and it was quite heavy. I mean, we didn't make it as heavy for, for Robert, but it weighed maybe about four five pounds maybe mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. It, they could weigh anywhere up to 15 pounds you know they made them very heavy and they had bells you know really tall bells yeah. on them, so yeah. you could you could hear people moving and he this man escaped into the forest um and um so we we created that story he eventually um died and, and killed himself um, um, by hanging actually and um, um, we didn't go that far into that story but we see him mm-hmm. um, through the woods at the very beginning and we hear the dogs barking and just that sense of um, you know I will do anything to come out of this situation that this this situation of of 
being enslaved and being tortured on a daily basis is really not sustainable. It's mm. and, and and it's, you know, not a way to to live a life, right? That that whatever happens next must be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so however you trans you transport yourself, either that through your you know, through your spiritual practice or um or through you know, take taking your own life and, and transitioning into the next life um, mm-hmm. voluntarily. I mean, similar to many of the Africans that came and just jumped overboard, you know, mm-hmm. um, seems yeah. um, a, a much better um, strategy. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, but. Um, I say to both both memories, uh, Robert Henry Johnson and Robert Henry and this, Johnson and this elder who he portrayed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he also portrayed um, Master Juba, and mm. that that <laughs> moment of liberation through dancing and mm-hmm. really elevating one's experience um, into that you know incredibly potent uh, space where you know you feel certainly at one between body and mind but also like energetically you feel connected like to everything like you it's such an expansive moment and that's the thing of course that I love about dancing certainly the thing that I love about um, being an aerialist you know particularly when you come to the point of of a real challenge um, where you have to abandon yourself and surrender to the moment Mm -hmm. Um, and when you do and of course, when you're in the safe situation to do so, there is this incredible opening um, that just kind of highlights the immense beauty and potential of what life offers, you know. And and I think people have that experience in other ways. I mean, sometimes runners have it, and you know, you have the certain like endorphin levels, and you know, your chemistry. Uh, starts moving in such a way that you um, have such an opening. Some people get it through meditation, or, um, but I I get it <laughs> through through dancing and being in these situations. But it is so powerful, and and it's the thing that I feel like I personally am reaching for in creating an experience to share with others. You know that it isn't just you watching and then you. You know, you have an intellectual um, connection with the work, but that there is a a real physical, visceral, all of it together, mm-hmm. so that whatever happens in the room right now, we are all on that trip together, um, and feels, um, yeah, like like we're on a, um, yeah, we're on some kind of journey of discovery together. I mean, and that's not unique to me. I mean, I think every artist is like, that's what you want to do. But um, I feel blessed that I get to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. That this is, this is my, has been and is my life. That's such a tremendous blessing because I feel like we miss so much. And I've spoken about this probably with you one many times, but, you know, life is, so extraordinary and we have all these enormous challenges you know and especially as black people black bodies 
especially here in this country, um, you know, that we, it's, it's so easy to, to be weighed down by the burden of our misplaced social disasters that we're trying to tackle, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, any way that this is, that's why this is such an interesting thing. It's like, what are, what, how do we do it? Mm-hmm. How do we find our liberation through this? Like, how do we go pull that, you know, crap off in order for us to be able to expand into what life and what this planet actually is? It's so, I mean, it sounds cliche, but it is so amazing it really Mm -hmm. is amazing so you know as much as we could continue to talk about it and support each other and try to uplift our you know uplift ourselves and our communities and create those windows those pathways those doors where we can find our way Mm -hmm. you know into that experience because it's um that feels like a worthwhile thing to be doing Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I really like the way um, you mentioned um, Stephen Anthony Jones, you know, bringing all of his books and his research. Yeah. And yeah, he is such a scholar. Um, yeah. You know, like he is such a such a gift to too because he sort of mm. embodies black theater in his. He his does. Person. You know, the mm-hmm. Negro Ensemble Theater. You know, the yes. characters that he has created. You know, like a soldier's play or soldier's yes. story. You know, mm-hmm. and you know. Being the, you know, the, the artistic director for Lorraine Hansberry Theater, and mm-hmm. being a principal member of ACT when Black folks were for not years, members I of, know, of, and for like twenty five years, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 and he's mm-hmm. in films, and yeah, it's just like, yeah, he's still doing it and still doing it, yeah. and and then when his piece on August Wilson, oh my god, so goodness. brilliant, so brilliant, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, but then I, I think about, you know, when he's talking about, you know, the bones, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, and I thought about Evo Landing. Yes. And, and you know, um, they walked home. Yeah. <laughs> they they walked home. I'm like, wow. Walked right into amazing. the water. Yeah, yeah. And they <laughs> mm-hmm. never saw him again. <laughs> I didn't mm-hmm. see no bones like they had to walk home. And I don't know how long that takes. Hopefully they had a suitcase <laughs> or a knapsack. <laughs> so during the truth, you know, she had a daughter, you know, Sophia, and 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 she had she had a little knapsack on her back when mm-hmm. she walked to freedom. So we you know, we do that walking the freedom thing. We do it. Yeah. And and I was thinking about Wicked and that song, um, Defying Gravity. <laughs> and and Veronica, I wanted to bring you back in the conversation. And then you and Joanna could talk about this because uh, I don't want to keep you because you all are like right in the middle of putting things together. <laughs> but just the whole idea of flying, you know, defying gravity. Because um, I know I know a lot of people um, like you think about Bigger Thomas. He wanted to be an air uh, pilot, and and you know Bigger Thomas, the character in um, in black in um in uh, Richard write the book. Ah, um, I'm drawing a blank. What is the book called? Invisible Man. No, Richard no. Wright. Bigger Thomas, you know, the kid who was in the ghetto in Chicago. And, uh, oh, well, um, they, made a, they made a play out of it, too. 
<laughs> is this also um, going to be a movie? Native Son. Native, Native Son. Thank you. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and they and they you know how the public school in in that particular story, the teacher said black boys can't fly no airplanes. And yeah. and you know just like El Haj Malik, he wanted to be an attorney. Like black boys are not attorneys. And and so and so you know the whole idea of of getting away. Like I think about the Tuskegee Airmen. You know I shade to their memory. You know they were like they were able to fly. Yeah. You know whereas other other black folks who were in the military they cleaned latrines and cleaned up after folks even in the Civil War. You know like yeah. who got to fight? I mean some of our people did get to fight, but initially it was like. You know, you're just going to be an elevated butler with a uniform on, right? Whatever. Um, So the whole idea of defying gravity, you know, sort of doing something different. Veronica, what brings you to aerial dance? Wow. Well, (laughs) it's a a lot of the themes that we've been discussing. discussing. It's like as a young person, it's one of the first times I've ever felt liberated. Um, It's one of the first times I ever felt autonomy over my body um, and that is that I could create my own reality and that I could um, it was a realizing that I had control over something so like as a youngster like at 14 years old it was life-changing because my world existed of you know going to school and and coming home and um so yeah, I just and then over the the years it's progressed from going professional and and trying to be a circus superstar and traveling the country and traveling the world and and learning as much as possible and then shedding that skin and deciding that I wanted to be more of an artist and less of an athlete and um going through that transition mentally, emotionally, physically, and, and trying to figure out how can I use this art form to not just entertain people, but express myself, express what I'm feeling. And, um, and now, <laughs> I guess the 20 years into the game, as they say, I feel like flying to me is about, is really about not only expressing myself, but also I just have this, I just have this like notion to, to not only entertain people, but also to provide some healing and uh, opportunities for people to, to go inward and, and to be moved or have something moved in them by watching my work or experiencing my work. Um, or my energy um, flying to me now is, I think people need to see it uh, more than ever now because uh, we're so, we're so stuck in our heads. Our, our heads are down and we kind of, we kind of look up and we look around and we got, we have these screens, whether we're looking down at them or are we looking straight at the, straight on at them at, at a TV in our apartments or our houses, but we're not, you know, swiveling our head around. We're not looking around. And so our worlds become smaller. And um, I think flying is the, the ultimate symbol of, of liberation and imagination and magic. Um, so that's, that's my take on it. <laughs> 
Yeah. But Joanna, you've got to scoot in five minutes, so yeah. whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will read the information about, okay. about Be know. there. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just excited to be with everybody, and I'm really um just even some of the sketches that are coming my way right now and knowing, of course, uh, Veronica's brilliant work and um, Stephen's. I'm just super excited to, um, yeah, to be to be together and to, as Amara would say, you know, find the conjuring. Um, mm-hmm. Find the together. conjuring. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you dancing? Uh, I don't know, actually. Maybe, but probably not. You know, it's just like one of those things I have to be really measured. I just, you know, as as the eldership comes upon me, <laughs> <laughs> lands on my back. Um, it's just, you know, there's there's so much to actually just get everything on the stage that I feel like, well, well, there, that took. So many hours and now I can lift my arm I'm not sure <laughs> so but who knows who knows it's not it's not out of the cards I mean in terms of well, something that may happen soon I've been thinking a lot about coming back to performing um that old I can probably <laughs> no, I can probably do something yeah yeah but I don't know if it'll be this time <laughs> that's all I have to say um, yeah. Yeah. And Joanne, I was wondering, um, I remember you all have these opportunities for people in the community to come try out flying in your studio. Yeah. And, and I, I haven't done it yet, but, I, you know, I'm retiring. So I'll yes. have, you have time. Yeah, Let's make yeah. a date. Okay. Yeah. Because I want to try, try to do it. Gosh, Veronica, you, you all, like, Joanna has always made this look so interesting, but <laughs> but you like wow Veronica's really, so next level she's, she's like, next level <laughs> I, I, need to, I need to figure out what I love and let go of all this stuff that's yeah. keeping me too attached to, yeah. to you know to this earth in a way that's not healthy yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yes I 100% agree on that <laughs> yeah. Gosh, it's always lovely to talk to you Joanna you're just so like great so to inspiring talk to you, Wanda. you too and, um, mm-hmm. yeah and you. you know have a wonderful time we're looking forward to you know the documentation yes yes <laughs> and well, I'll, you'll be all flying on Niagara Falls <laughs> that will be one of those <laughs> moments for you yeah, so, yeah, well, yeah the 60 about power happens. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. I'm gonna like to go to Seneca Falls. Of, yeah, Seneca Falls is gonna be awesome. You know, the and going to be where those, Tom, those women house and yeah, yeah that's gonna be really yeah. powerful. Right. <laughs> you take good care. Thank okay. You. Thanks so much, everybody. See you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. So, um, Veronica. Ah, yeah. So anyway, that was lovely. So let me um let you all know um, again about the details on um, the program. So uh, Baby Opera House Incorporated presents in collaboration with Zako Dance Theater Flying to Freedom, celebrating Juneteenth through aerial dance, music, and theater, a collective reflection on liberation by Bay Area artists curated by Joanna Haygood, June 16th and 17th at the Bayview Opera House, 
Ruth Williams Memorial Theater in San Francisco. And for tickets, you can uh, go to flyingtofreedom.eventbrite.com. And um, let's see the details. Um, there are two performances only. Uh, the Friday, June 16th is 8 o'clock. The Saturday, June 17th is also at 8 o'clock. And uh, tickets are $10 to $35. There are community tickets, which are pay what you can. They're available. Uh, minimal fees apply. And to request a free ticket, email program-manager at bvoh.org. So there's a limited supply of these free tickets. Um, but community members have a pay what you can, but that's limited. So don't wait till the last minute is, um, you know, sort of what you need to do. And um, and Zacco, Z-A-C-C-H-O.org is the website for um, for the organization, one of the organizations. And uh, yeah, it's going to be simply phenomenal. And the website is flyingtofreedom.org, another website. All righty. So thank you so much for joining us for another edition of Wanda's Picks. And thank you to our guests. Um, they were simply wonderful. Uh, Joanna Haygood, who since 1980 has been creating work that uses natural, architectural, and cultural environments as points of departure for movement, exploration, and narrative. Her stages have included grain terminals, a clock tower, the Pope's Palace, military force, and a mile of urban neighborhood streets in the South Bronx. Her work has been commissioned by many arts institutions, including Dancing in the Streets, Jacob's Pillow Dance Festival, which we mentioned, Walker Arts Center, the Exploratorium Museum, the National Black Arts Festival, and Festival, and I'm not gonna pronounce it, D. Uh, Avigon, anyway, A-V-I-G-N-O-N. She has been honored with Guggenheim Fellowship, the Herb uh, Alpert, Award in the Arts, the United States Artist Fellowship, and a New York Betsy Award. She is also recipient of esteemed Doris Duke Artist Award, and she has had the privilege to mentor many extraordinary young artists internationally at the National Ecole des Arts du Cirque in France, the Trinity uh, Laban Conservatoire of Music and Dance in England, Spelman College, Institute of Diversity and the Arts at Stanford University, San Francisco Circus Center and at Zaco Studio in San Francisco, where she is founding artistic director. Stephen Anthony Jones was the artistic director of the Lorraine Hansberry Theater, the premier African-American theater company in San Francisco Bay Area. He directed Philip Kahn, Philip Kahn Gotanda's After the War, Blues for the UC Berkeley Department of Theater, Dance and Performance Studies, he has worked professionally on stage, television, and in film for 42 years. Yes, he has a legacy. He has performed in the works of August Wilson as Charlie Fuller, Fugard, um, Stoppard, Gotanda, Beckett, Pinter, Moliere, Shakespeare, Chekhov, and others. He was in the original cast of A Soldier's Play produced by the Negro Ensembles. Ensemble Company, which we already mentioned, which won an Obie Award for Ensemble Acting and the Pulitzer Prize for Best Drama. He performed, taught, and directed at the American Conservatory Theater for 22 years as a member of the Core Acting Company. His many film and television credits include two seasons of Midnight Caller 
and a re recurring role on the NBC series, Trauma. Jones received his early theater training at Karamu House in his hometown of Cleveland, Ohio. Other experience includes the Cleveland Playhouse, Berkeley Rep, San Jose Rep, and San Francisco Shakespeare Festival. Most recently, he played Becker in the Broadway tour of August Wilson's Jitney. Veronica, Veronica Blair has emerged as one of the top black aerialists in the country and has taken her high flying talents all around the world. Blair, a Bay Area native, began her career at the age of 14 at the Circus Center San Francisco, formerly the San Francisco School of Arts. Shortly after making her debut at 17, she was noticed by Cedric Walker, the founder of the Universal Circus. Walker named Blair as a solo trapeze artist, and she was Universal's resident aerialist for over five years. Blair has performed in Africa, Africa, Germany's largest circus event, and also worked for Universal, Universal Studios Japan. She still works with the Circus Center and has put on shows featuring other black aerialists and circus performers for themed events, such as a tribute to recording artist Prince that took place in 2014. Black circus performers are rarely recognized, and Blair has taken on the task of filming a documentary that puts a new light on those who work in the industry. Blair's The Uncle Junior Project came about after the death of little-known black circus animal trainer of the same name. And I, I saw this at uh, the African-American Art and Culture Complex. I think I saw that she showed the air, an excerpt of the film, and she had a, uh, an exhibit that highlighted this um, Uncle, Uncle Junior Project. Uh, I, I saw someone, I was reading her bio. <laughs> in an attempt to uphold Junior's legacy and that of other black circus, uh, uh, in an attempt to uphold Junior's legacy and that of the black circus, Blair has the ambitious aim of bringing those un oh, I already read this, unknown entertainers to the forefront. The San Francisco Aerial Arts Festival premiered her The Rainbow is Enough in 2022. And she's going to be performing that in New York. Uh, it's so for those who are um, in that area in August of this year. Um, this particular piece, The Rainbow is Enough in 20, uh, Rainbow is Enough, is a reimagining of playwright into, into Shaki Shange's for color girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough, expressed through the lens of modern circus. So this was our star-studded um, uh, Cast, not cast, um, <laughs> visitors, uh, guests, that's the word I was looking for, guests <laughs> this morning. And um, yeah, it was really, really wonderful. And um, definitely make sure that you um, get to um, this wonderful piece because uh, you don't want to, if, if you're in town, you don't want to, um, <laughs> you don't want to, um, <clears throat> to just see the, um, the playbacks. So, Blind to Freedom, celebrating Juneteenth through aerial dance, music, and theater, curated by Joanna Haygood, um, June 16th and 17th, 8 p.m. at the Bayview Opera House um, in the, uh, the theater there. And I've got to look up the name just a second. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, <clears throat>
Mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, yeah, looking for the name of the theater, and I'm not seeing it. Uh, oh, yeah, the Ruth Williams Memorial Theater. Ruth Williams Memorial Theater, I share it. Definitely want to uplift the name of uh, Miss Ruth Williams. She was wonderful work for the community um, in San Francisco, and specifically in Bayview Hunters Point. All righty, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, follow us on wandaspicks.com. And uh, we're at wandaspicks on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, <laughs> as well as you know, Wanda's Picks on Blog Talk Radio, the podcast. All righty, you take good care. Peace and blessings.
was um, <laughs> um, Mr. Wise Superbloom. And I am going to close the show with a wonderful interview with Ben Vereen, yeah, who played Chicken George in Roots, right? And this interview goes back to 2012 when he was um, performing at the Roz Room in Hotel Nico in San Francisco. And we mentioned um, the song, well, I mentioned the song, Defying Gravity. And um, and so um, I'm not going to play it. <laughs> but Ben Vereen sings that song. And and that's what kind of remind thought made me think about oh, I should re I should rebroadcast that wonderful conversation that I had with Ben Vereen. It was really 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 good. Um, and so I'm gonna stop talking <laughs> and play it. And um, yeah, certainly be encouraged. Uh, we have a wonderful legacy as people of African descent in this hemisphere. I mean, oh man, you know when we think about given up when we think about uh, feeling that we can't go on. We just need to just bring our ancestors to mind, you know, our ancestors, our personal ancestors, you know, our mamas and our grandmamas and, oh, man, our, our fathers and our father's fathers and our aunties and our uncles, even our siblings, you know, like who is walking with us, who is living in our blood, you know, like all of that. We carry all of that. And that, you know, is good, you know. All that is good. You know, we sometimes dwell too much on the burdens, but we we need to think about all that is good and how we are upright and we are still moving, we're still breathing air, you know, we're not fertilizer. So there's there's hope. <laughs> and freedom is not uh, a concept. It's a, it's a way of being. So so anyway, uh, this... Um, conversation with Ben Vereen is really, really awesome. So I'm going to play it. It's about an hour. And uh, yeah, enjoy. What would I like to know? That is so cool. Well, gosh, um, hmm, maybe we should uh, talk about what's bringing you out here to San Francisco. You've got a, a new CD and you've got a new show and Maybe you could tell us about what you're bringing to the Raz Room uh, June 12th. What I'm bringing to the Raz Room? Yeah, yeah. What a great this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course. Give us some details. Because <laughs> yeah, I think you're bringing a band, right? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And some new material? Yeah, some new material. And, you know, I'm working on a, a show that I'm taking to Broadway. Mm. So I'll be working on that there. And so it's going to be exciting. Oh, so you're going to test it out on us. That's great. We love mm-hmm. that. Okay. So you're going to be, um, I believe, um, sort of bringing uh, back some, some old favorite tunes and some honoring some of your favorite goodies. folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oldies but goodies. Yeah, that's... Oldies but goodies. You know, <laughs> people that, you know, that we grew up with and have touched my life, you know, people I've worked with. Mm-hmm. You know, Sammy Davis, Frank Sinatra, you know, people yeah. like that, Bob Fosse, Tom um, mm-hmm. O'Horgan, you know, and hair. I did hair, matter of fact, right there in San Francisco. You did? New Orleans Theater, yeah. Wow. I came up some time ago, and I found, I discovered a guy named Michael Philip Thomas. Mm-hmm. Oh. And he did, he was doing burgers. I hired him in Los Angeles, and uh, he hurt his back. And so they called me to come up to the Opium Theater to cover for him. Mm-hmm. And that's when we, you know, we really got to be good friends years ago. 
Mm. And then I was at the On Broadway Theater where there's no place to be somebody. Charles Gardone's play. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So San Francisco and I have a history. I lived in Berkeley for a while. You did? Yes, I did. Matter of fact, there was a guy named Wasserman, I believe. And uh, he wrote an article on me. I did my first concert at the On Broadway Theater Mm. in those years. Yeah. And got my launch there. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So, so you have some dear memories of the Bay Area. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Oh, that's dear, funny. Dear, huh? dear memories. <laughs> wow, that is so awesome. I was reading your lovely, but I just love that caricature of you on your on your website. It's so cute. Well, thank you. Thank and then you. your photographer, you got some great photographs, you know, when they're sort of, um, you know, going through the... Um, you know, sort of showing you the different different looks of Ben Vereen. Yes, yes. <laughs> Those are really Thank nice, you. too. And you've gotten, like, what, 10 doctorates? <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, I'm like, well, you're <laughs> like, yeah, wow. Well, I was like, mm, so wonderful. And I was looking at one was from um, the Megar Evers College there in... in um, Megar Evers, yes. Yeah. Is that in Brooklyn? No. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is Brooklyn, right. Mm-hmm. And they sponsor... Um, a, uh, a ritual every year, the second Saturday in June, it's called um, Libations for the Ancestors, and it's an international pouring for our ancestors that uh, died or made that passage, you know, during the uh, the European slave trade. And, um, really? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And so, and it's a really well, old I'm celebration. I'm honored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I thought, wow, how fitting, um, you know, sort of looking at, you know, your your really famous role in, in Roots, and I was watching some of the segments on Oprah's um, website. And oh, yes, when we did the reunion. Yeah, yeah, and, and the yeah. part where you talked about how you really wanted to be in the the the, uh, the film and, and how your agent was saying, well, you know, you're a song and dance man. They need an actor. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That was yeah, funny. I, I fired him. Oh, good, good. You need someone with vision, someone with yeah, vision for vision. sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and so I was wondering if you could talk about, you know, I was thinking one of we could start with, you know, that Chicken George character um, uh, and um, and sort of, you know, your preparation, you know, within your life for that role uh, as the child of, of, of a rape and um, and then, you know, sort of being known by that, uh, you know, that bird, the chicken, the chicken which is used to venerate the ancestors and, mm. and you know, sort of stands for, you know, life, you know, fertility, because oh, every look day... You. Look at you. Look at you. You've got it all down. You don't need this. If you read this, write it. <laughs> well, you might not agree with me, you know. Thank you, my queen. Thank you very much. Yeah, but I just thought about, you know, sort of the whole renewal, and then and then within your personal life, um, you know, finding out that you have another family mm-hmm. after and having the one of... That was until later. Yeah. Years. My, mm-hmm. my, my baby daughter, Quran, mm-hmm. came to me one day and said, Dad, you know, you know, Mom has her history, but we don't, you know, you, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I decided to go for my search. It's interesting that I did Roots, and I really didn't have any knowledge of my past until, you know, I went to Europe uh, with Sammy Davis, Jr., and, uh, 
he said, you know, you have to get a passport. And I went down to get a passport, and I found out that I wasn't who I was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And that's when I, my search began. You know, so for me, doing Roots was really interesting because I was doing a part of a, a story about legacy, but I hadn't found mine. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so it was quite overwhelming. It was quite overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I was wondering, so when you, when you, um, like you have, it sounded like you had a wonderful, you know, childhood and, and family that raised you, um. Oh, you did. I did. Yeah. 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 Love personified. Mm-hmm. You know, it was interesting because when I when I found this out, the woman who raised me, Pauline Green, mm-hmm. uh, she uh, when I found it out and I came back from Europe and I looked at her, and she was really taken by this whole discovery because she would never wanted me to know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I looked at her and I told her, I said, "You're the only mother I know. You're the only eyes I saw when I looked up. You know, so you're my mother. You know." Mm-hmm. And so we left it that way. That's what she came and she told me what had happened. And uh, she told me about my mother. And uh, when my daughter said, you know, Dad, we got to find, you know, who your people are. And uh, we went looking. Mm-hmm. And I found them about, uh, oh, four years ago, five years ago now. Oh, it's been that recent? Yes, that recent. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. okay. And this is an interesting thing, and I'm writing it in my book, is that they lived an hour. My mother, my original mother, lived an hour away from me, but she didn't know who I was. She went looking for me. Hmm. And uh, when you know, in 1946, when you say you go to the police and say you know, I've lost a the child, they weren't interested. You know, I'm supposed oh. to be an African American woman. You know, hmm. so she stayed there two years looking for me. Wow. And um, and then she went to cause she lived in Connecticut, one hour away from me. So hmm. you got to read the book because it's very interesting about how we got back together. Yeah. She's no longer with us, of course. Right? Yeah, yeah. She passed. Um, yes. That's that's amazing. Um, yeah, and so how how did your mother, you know, your your mother, you know, f- who raised you, how did she, how did they find you? Uh, well, it's, it's a couple of stories. One is that my mother, um, it's in the book. <laughs> yes, read the book. <laughs> okay, okay, I will, I will yes, totally read. I'm not one of those people, you tell me the punchline and I don't listen yeah, to the joke. Yeah, she, you, um, you tell me the ending and I will still read the book. Don't worry. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> well, what happened was, was supposedly my mother, um, my, my birth mother, yes. was, uh, they met one, and in a storm. And um, she was my supposedly according to the story I got that she was homeless, mm-hmm. and uh, my mother took her to the woman who raised me took her to her her apartment, mm-hmm. and uh, after I was born she was sent the woman left, but that wasn't the story that I found out, mm-hmm. and um, so when I found out that the, my mother actually left her left her with friends there, left me with friends in in Miami, went back to look at my sister and brother to take care of her children she had prior to another marriage. And came back, and I was gone. Mm. Oh, so that's okay. that's the story I got from my from my family, from right. me, you know, the mm-hmm. Pearsons. Yeah. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and and then your character, um, you know, Chicken George, um, you know, he goes away, and then he comes back, and um, he his family, and then brings his family to freedom. Yeah, yeah, and then and then he tells his grandson the story of that first African. Right. <laughs> it's like come a full circle, and That's and it's right. and it so marries your real life, doesn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, it's like, so whoa, what's going on here? You know, the synergy, you know, yeah. the serendipity. You know, what's so interesting <laughs> is that you know how I got that role. Mm-hmm. I mean, out of all the actors, because I wasn't an actor, I'd done Pippin, I'd done Broadway, mm-hmm. but I hadn't done, I hadn't, I hadn't been in any films or anything like that. 
and it was fortuitous that uh, the producer happened to be in the audience of one of my shows. I used to do a character called Burt Williams, who, you know, was one of our early performers, great stars, mm-hmm. who, you know, suffered the ridicules of prejudice in this country. And, uh, you know, he said, you yeah, don't mind being, you know, you know, a black performer. He says, but in America, it's an inconvenience. That was his line. Mm-hmm. And so I used to do a parody on him, which I got ridiculed for, you know, but I used to do a parody on him about the ridiculousness of what we had to go through. And I was doing it in Savannah, Georgia, and I looked up one day, and there was the producer, Stan Margulies, in the audience, and he saw my Burt Williams, and he came backstage, and he said, I want you to be my Chicken George. I didn't know who a Chicken George was or what a Chicken George was, so we hadn't read the book. And I said, yes, because I'd heard about it, mm-hmm. and then boom, and I got the role, and it was uh, quite a journey. Right. Quite a journey. To this day, mm-hmm. we still talk about it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like 30 some odd years later, we're still talking about it. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, because it was for you. It was definitely for you um, in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, and it's probably yeah, becoming yeah. more and more yeah. apparent why as, as you know, you have, you know, as the years pass and the moments pass, like, wow, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I was just thinking about when I when I read that story about Burt Williams and, you know, you're, you're portraying him, and, and I thought about, you know, the minstrel tradition and mm-hmm. and the Scottsboro Boys, you know, mm-hmm. on Broadway, yeah, you know, as yeah. a musical yeah. and reverse minstrel with the black folks wearing white face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and then and then I don't know if you know um this uh uh playwright, but you probably do. Her name is because she's she's in New York and, and you know the folks there, um, Dale or Orlander Smith. Mm-hmm. Um she oh, yes. did, yeah. oh you do know okay. Well she's she's at Berkeley Rep now, um, doing her Black and Blue Boys, Broken Men. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and um, and I was just thinking about, you know, your humanitarian work and and your lectures around, um, around a lot of a lot of things about sort of things that encourage young people, particularly young men and and women, who might not have everything they think they need in their lives to be successful. You know how to you know how to be resourceful. Well, it's all within you, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. tapping within you. You know, we look without for everything, but we need to look within because within is all the resources that we need. You know, recently my, my, my last uh, grandchild was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Moses. And, um, Moses? And his wow. Is Moses. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, my daughter gave me my, my, my baby uh, grandchild. He's two years old. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in the, in the uh, room when he was born and put him in my hands, and I watched the, the pigmentation coming in mm. and it seemed like the spirit was saying if you need me I'll be right in here mm. inside here and we look outside for it but within us is all that we need within us is the legacy and we and we teach from within without to go out and then we have our legacy in us and all that we need is in spirit mm. within us you know, and that's what I try to, that's what I try and teach, or that's what I try to teach from when I'm teaching an acting class, or I, you know, teach seminars of, of that nature, mm-hmm. you know? Right, yeah. But then, you know, you look at, um, you know, characters that uh, Dale um, paints in in her, her current play that she's performing, and these children, oh my goodness, their parents are so, so broken mm-hmm. that... Mm-hmm. 
these kids, I mean, they do, they do, you know, they do look within, and mm-hmm. and they, and, 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 and some of them are able to do some really remarkable things, but then when they become adults, they're still broken. So mm-hmm. then, so then they have flashbacks because of that mm-hmm. trauma. So, so what do you, what do you do when the support network is not there to help you realize that you need some help to become truly healed? Mm, that you, that you look like you look within yourself, but there's not enough there because you don't have the tools because you're a little kid. <laughs> yes, yes, so around you. You know, I believe that, you know, we're surrounded by angels that support us. Mm. Look, I was a kid from Brooklyn. I'm a kid from Brooklyn, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and all probability, I should not be who I am today. But one day, I'm standing on the street corner. And I'm doing my kid. I'm doing. I'm doing my kid thing. I was about six years old, six, seven years old. Mm-hmm. And this gentleman comes walking down the street. You know, my white brother. You know, comes mm-hmm. walking down the street. Out of all the kids on the block, he points to me, and he says, "Is your mother home?" And he was a, he was a talent scout. Now mm-hmm. I was playing stickball. I wasn't dancing or singing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was playing stickball. Yeah. The destiny. Huh. And I went upstairs. My mother said, "I want him to go to to a dance school." She didn't know nothing about the theater. Take him. Mm-hmm. Take him, because I want him to have something better than what I've got. And that's how my journey began. It's like, it seems like spirit calls upon that which will make us who we are today if we're open and receptive to it. But how do we teach that to children? When they're, you know, they're, going, they're from families that do not have the resources to believe in themselves, to know that it's going to be all right because they've come to the planet to make it better. How do we give them those resources and teach them that? You know, we teach them how to make a living, but we don't teach them how to live. Mm-hmm. You know, churches are doing the best job that they can, you know, by relating, you know, well, you know, things are going to get better, you know, when you get to heaven. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but what about bringing heaven to earth? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what these children come. They bring us heaven by just being here on this earth. They bring a baby, a child born, is heaven on earth. And then we, then we, then we educate them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, enlightening them, them. Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. enlightening them, you know, <laughs> so I, I, I try to, in my teachings, is try to touch that within them to let it express itself, and mm-hmm. from that basis, that's where I, that's where I work when I teach classes, mm-hmm. within, out, not from out, in. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if you could talk about, you know, your attraction to storytelling um, via performance art and, um, yeah, and, and how you've used, um, you know, um, your personal journey to inform your ethos. To, to, to excuse me? <laughs> to, yeah, your ethos. My ethos? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, your ethics, you know, your your principles, you know, how, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, you've been, you have a really extensive and long and and very well decorated, you know, insofar as all the different kinds of awards one can receive <laughs> and honors one can receive, you know, career, and you're still going strong, I mean, like, yeah. seriously, so... You know, a lot of times people don't last in in the business of entertainment because yeah, there are a lot of distractions. I feel blessed. I, feel blessed. Mm, mm-hmm. I, feel, I have to say something greater than myself. Mm. Without myself, I probably wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so something greater than myself makes me get out of bed in the morning. Something greater calls me, mm-hmm. you know, and I just have to give honor to that within me. 
you know, that, you know, that which keeps me going. As long as I'm here on this planet called Earth, you know, something within me greater than myself is the reason why I do what I do. And I give honor and praise to that. Call it God, Allah, Jesus, Elohim, Yahweh, whatever you choose to mm-hmm. be divine, it works. Right. Yeah. So this this attraction of storytelling. Um, you tell mm-hmm. storytelling. You tell stories. I do. I do. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Talk about that that storytelling. I mean, that's that's real basic to to the human, you know, uh, species. You know, Alex Haley was a storyteller. Yeah. You know, I I just tell stories of my life, and hopefully somebody will be inspired. Mhm. And those are the stories that I have to tell, and so I tell from a place of knowing. And in doing so, you know, somebody says, I get it. And then I feel that my, my job is, 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 is being done. When I do my show and uh, doing songs, I try to tell the story that is personal to me. And somebody out there is having a similar mm. um, situation. Right. And they can go, oh, I get it. And, and so that's why I love what I do, because I'm able to touch people as they touch me. Mm-hmm. It's a give and take sort of show. <laughs> we, we, we share. Right, yeah, yeah. I've had some wonderful mentors. Mm, you know, yes, along you have. My, along my path, you know. So I'm just, and I, and they're still coming. Mm. They're still coming, you know. And I get to share with people. I get to share with people like Usher. I get to share with people like Karen, you know, um, Terrence Howard. I get to share with people that you know, uh, you know, uh, Big Boy and you know, and those guys. Mm-hmm. And I get to share with the young people today. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was reading Harry Harry Belafonte's um memoir, which is that's an endeavor. I don't know if yours is like seven almost eight hundred pages long. Is your is your book that long? Well <laughs> it may be long. It may be long that long. <laughs> Maybe one page. <laughs> but it was a it it was a fabulous journey, my song and and in, in his book I just love these type of, of journeys because He's lived long enough for it to be, you know, sort of really epic. And you, so you're reading a history book uh, mm-hmm. as lived by this person. And similarly, yes. when one reads your book, mm-hmm. you know, as you're writing, one is going to be reading a history book through mm-hmm. your life, which makes it a lot easier to remember because because we'll be Thank identifying you. with you, and we like you. So we'll remember the details. Thank you, my queen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, so why don't you tell us, tell us about, give us some stories. I mean, you know, you've, you've had like some, some of your mentors are no longer with us, and some of the folks mm-hmm. you, you hung out with, um, Gregory Hines, Sammy Davis oh, Jr., Gregory. oh my Gregory. goodness, they're not with Gregory. us anymore. Yeah. Nina oh, Simone, you know? Yeah, well, Gregory. Yeah. Um, Gregory. I went and saw Gregory in Jelly's last year, mm. uh, prior to, uh, it was, uh, it was 92, yeah. Uh, when I had, we're well, 96, when I had my, my accident. Mm. And when I came back, uh, you know, started working to get myself back at, at Kessler back east, um, up in Jersey, it was my birthday that year. Mm. And I wanted to see a show. So I said, I want to see Jelly's last year. Mm. And I went to see the show. And Gregory and Savion Glover and the cast just mm. did a magnificent job. And after the show was over, it was, you know, Gregory was standing there taking his bow. And he stopped it, stopped his bow, and he said, he introduced me in the audience. And then he came up and he said, listen, Ben, if you can get ready, Keith David is leaving the show. Come this way. Hmm. Come this way. And at the time, I could hardly lift my leg. I mean, I had, I had a trach, 
You know, I had they had taken my spleen. I had a broken leg. I had you know I had a stroke on my right side. He said, if you can be ready, come this way. And I got there. I opened that show. <laughs> wow. I opened that show. And people and the doctors said would say things like, you know, when I first had the accident in nineteen ninety two, had the accident, um, the doctor said, it's gonna be at least three years before you'll ever walk again. Hmm. And uh, as far as his career, I think he should think about another career. So when he sent the occupational therapist to work with me on my motor skills, I didn't know what an occupational therapist was. Mm-hmm. I thought they were people who showed me how to get a new job. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought so, like, too, until right now, yeah, no? Exactly. <laughs> occupational therapy, occupation, right? Right, you know, right. Show me how to get a new job. Because he's telling my doctor, telling me, you'll never work in show business again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a trach. You know, I had split, you know, I took my spleen. Mm-hmm. I had a broken left leg. I had a stroke on my right side. I mean, that was that was done. Yeah. But the letters and the prayers that came through were amazing. Mm-hmm. They gave me encouragement, you know. And then Gregory said, come this way. And that was my, that was a green light. Mm-hmm. And 10 months later, after my accident, I walked on stage in Jelly's last jam. Wow. And all the doctors who said it would be three years before I'd walk again and get my career, mm-hmm. they were sitting in the audience with their mouths gaped open. And Lexus sponsored my, my comeback. Mm. And it was packed. The place was packed. Wow. Packed. Wow. Standing room. Yeah. Had you been driving a Lexus when you had the accident? No, no. Oh, Mm-mm. okay. No, I hadn't. Mm. I was driving a Corvette. <laughs> 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 and they didn't sponsor me, so I don't drive Corvettes anymore. <laughs> yeah, they should have, they should have like, sponsored you totally. It's like, yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> wow, that is amazing, though. So I guess that sort of really shows a person that if you have something to strive toward, it, it makes it, I mean, the journey was difficult getting from being injured to becoming, you know, well enough to be able to do what you loved again. Yeah, you know what it was? Um, for my, you know, usually in program, the playbill, mm-hmm. you put your bio, right? Right. So when they asked me what my bio, I said, for my bio, put footprints. Mm. So oh. those who are reading, nice. when they see me on that stage, they know how I got there. Yeah. You know the story of footprints, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That, that, it was it was some it was that within me carrying me. Mm-hmm. It was the God of my understanding carrying me. Right. And when I was going through all the turmoil and all the heartbreak and all the broken body and my world was torn apart, mm-hmm. and I turned and I said, well, "You know, you promised you'd be with me when I, you know, when I got into this journey. You said you're always with me." He said, "When you when you went through that whole thing, it was me carrying you through the storm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't of your own cognizance. So, mm-hmm. you know, so I could praise and thanks, praise yeah. and thanks. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And then and then your daughter." One of your daughters um, was in a really horrific car accident, yes, right? Yes, I lost a daughter. I yeah, yeah, it's like, wow. Was that before yes. yours or after yours? Yes, before mine. Oh, ah, wow, yeah. yeah that, that took me on a spin. Mm-hmm. That took me right out. That took me right out. It's still this day, you know. I've learned to live with it. Mm-hmm. Any bereaved parent out there knows. You know, you learn to live with it, but you never get over it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a part of your heart that's open. There's, there's a hole. Mm-hmm. There's a hole there. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Yeah. I was, um, you know, again, looking at your wonderful website. <laughs> yes. 
and uh, and and I wanted you to talk about you know some of your your projects, and then I want to go back to Sammy Davis Jr. and oh, Nina cool. Simone because like you know you you're you're an insider. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, like right. So I want want you to tell us some stories. But I want you to talk about, you know, Stand for Diabetes. That's a great oh, yes. commercial that yes. you have on your website. Thank you. Well, Stand for Diabetes. I was, I was diagnosed in uh, 07. Um and I didn't know what had happened. You know, uh what was going on and uh I collapsed and I was with my daughter. She said, Dad, mm-hmm. she said she started saying, Dad, you don't you're not getting hitting all the rest of this you know, I said, You know, I'm fine, I'm fine and I collapsed after doing a speech. Mm-hmm. And so she takes me to the hospital. This is my baby daughter Quran. Mm-hmm. And uh so we go in the hospital and they say, Well, you know, your 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 blood sugar is all high, we'd like you to stay overnight and so we can, you know, monitor you and I said, Well you got my you're my blood, you let me go <laughs> They said, No, you gotta you gotta stay overnight. Mm-hmm. So I stayed overnight and I was going doing my thing, you know, and in the hospital. Next morning they came in and they said, You got type two diabetes and I said and I looked at the guy in the bed next to me and I said, Oh shame, you got type two diabetes because I know they're not talking to me. I'm Ben Green, I don't get diabetes. Mm -hmm. They said, no, you got type 2 diabetes. And the thing about it is that, you know, uh, when you don't know, you don't know. And so right away the panic jumps in. You know, you hear about amputation and you hear about death and you hear all these things flash through your mind. Mm-hmm. And they flash through my mind. You know, oh, my God, how am I going to perform? How am I going to be back on stage? How is my life going to be? I'm going to have to be, because I played a character in Webster some years ago. Mm-hmm where they had the big needles. Yeah. The guy had to do here, you know, the character had to do insulin, and, you know, the characters thought that he was a drug addict because he had his insulin kit. Right. And so I'm looking, I'm thinking, I'm flashing back on the, on the Webster. I'm saying, oh, my God, I'm going to have to be shooting up with a needle. People don't think I'm a joggy. I went this whole thing in my head until I went to my doctor, mm-hmm. and he said, no, you can live with this. Mm-hmm. He said, change your eating habits. And he said, what? He said, yeah, just change your eating habits. He said, exercise. That's when I exercise. Mm-hmm. He said, and we're going to put you on insulin. He put me on insulin. I said, is that all it is? Mm-hmm. Well, change my eating habits, exercise, and insulin? I mean, do my medication? He mm-hmm. said, yeah. So I went to a company called Sanity. Mm-hmm. I said, listen, I want to get out there and talk to the community. And let them know I've got, I can get diabetes. And it's such a high rate. At that time, there were 23 million people living with diabetes in the country. Mm-hmm. Now there's 26 million. So I want to get on the campaign. And I want to let people know we can beat this. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I started a website, Stand for Diabetes Report, mm-hmm. you know, to let people know we can beat this. You know, it's a simple thing. Change the dialogue around. Stop telling yourself that you have a challenge. No, you have an opportunity, mm-hmm. an opportunity towards better health. You are not suffering. You're living with diabetes. And you, once you change your dialogue about you'll start doing the things that are right for your body, for your body temple, which you've been blessed with. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll stop eating, you know, you'll, you'll start eating the proper things for your body. You'll drink more water. You'll exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, and you'll do your medication. If you're on medication, if you're on insulin, do your insulin. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. And you can live a good life with it. And if America would take the regimen of people living with diabetes to exercise more, eat the proper foods, we'd have a healthier country. Mm-hmm. Right. We have like, I mean, we're from 23 to 26 million people in this country now living with diabetes. Yeah. And and if we look at our young people, the obesity mm-hmm. is off the charts. Yeah. So I have to get out there. I have to get out there. I have to get out there for my young people and for the health of, of the people. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been given this for a reason, this diabetes. I've been giving it for a reason, not to sit back and, and feel sorry for myself, but to get into the battle mm-hmm. and run front, head on, and say, we can defeat this. 
yeah. as a people when we come consciously together and stop being the people. I feel like we li- people live with diabetes like like it's like us, a doctor's nurse the who. Mm. You know, we're the who. The people who are living with diabetes are like the who. Nobody knows we're here. We're screaming American diabetes are out there. They're, everyone's doing it. Conferences and everything. There's uh, TOYC, which is also a, a company that I went to. And I said, you've got to help me get the message out there. And I, I, I teamed up with them. And, uh, you know, and they're out there. But how many people know about it? Then we say, we wonder why our country is feeling ill. Mm-hmm. It's the information. We got to turn the dialogue around. As soon as a person gets, and yes, amputee happens. I'm not. I'm not negating that the terrible, horrible things happen. Yes, amputee happens. Yes, death will happen. Yes, all these horrible things happen. But here's the good news: mm-hmm. if we turn our consciousness around, we could do something about it in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, and we'll save our children. We'll save our tomorrow, our generation. We'll, we'll diabetes will go away in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely can. Um, it can. It really can. I mean, there are certain certain types of diabetes that really can go away. And like yeah. you said, it's it's you know what you eat and also your attitude and the exercise is so important because important. it has to do with important. circulation. And a exactly. lot of times the amputation happens because we're not moving enough. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, and those people living with type 1. You know, I love this story where this kid talks about the fact that, you know, he wouldn't go out because of the fact that he had to take his insulin and he had type 1. And mm-hmm. He saw his team type 1, and they were cycling, cycling guys who cycle around type team type 1. They're amazing. And he saw them on TV, and he, and he took this, he told his mother, he said, Mom, I'm going to go to the park. And she said, you sure? He said, yeah. He went to the park, and he's sitting there, and he had to take his insulin shot check his blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And the kid from across the park saw him mm-hmm. and came running over. He looked and he said, you have diabetes? He said, yeah. He said, I have diabetes too. <laughs> because of the fact that he, he came out mm-hmm. and was not ashamed that he had to check his blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Another kid who had to check his blood sugar became, you know, okay with it. Right. And I want to get into the school system. I want to get into the young people. Mm-hmm. Those kids who are living in school with diabetes, they should be, be supported and become examples of good health. Mm-hmm. Because they have to exercise, they have to eat the proper foods, right. and they've got to do their insulin if they're on insulin. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. not simple with me. You want to help your country? It's not mm-hmm. simple with me. Right, yeah, and it, it sort of goes right into a lot of our schools having, you know, gardens for the children, so they're growing mm-hmm. good, they're growing exactly. fresh food exactly. and, and eating more vegetables. Mm-hmm. We need to embrace that. Yeah. We need to embrace that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot, a lot of, you know, the diabetes comes from not having fresh food, you know, eating exactly. a lot of processed food. Mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. You know, Dr. Oz has a group called Health Corps, mm-hmm. you know, which I'm, 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 I'm partnering with, uh-huh. you know, because you know, they are in the school system. Hmm. And when you're getting kids to think about health better, you know, better health. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I was just thinking as you were talking that, um, you know, you use, you know, these potentially, um, you know, heartbreaking or negative uh, news, you know, as an opportunity. Yes, exactly. Because what happens is when you throw out the negative and you try to frighten people, you know, you try to frighten them. Oh, you're going to have diabetes, and you, you know, you're going to take one, take your leg off, and all these horror stories. Instead of telling them, you can live with this. Mm-hmm. You can live with this. All you got to do is exercise more. All you got to do is your, your medication if you're on medication, mm-hmm. and watch what you eat. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to eat all that sugar. 
Wow. You know, you don't have to. You don't have to eat the whole cake and a slice of it, a thin slice. You know, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, be moderate. You know? Yeah. Moderation. <laughs> and, with, and with the obesity today, with young people, we mm-hmm. got a job on our hands. Mm-hmm. A big job to make yeah. our country healthier mm-hmm. and make the world a healthier place. Right. Not right. just America, it's the world. Mm-hmm. Twenty-six million in America. Seven million who are living with it and don't even know they have it. And every 21 seconds, somebody else is diagnosed with diabetes. It's a lot We've of people. got a job ahead of us. Yeah, certainly. But we certainly. can do this. We can do this. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And then, you know, they... Tell them to go to my website, standfordiabetes.org. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stand, S-T-A-N-D for diabetes, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also um, uh, there have been some um, alternative treatments, like, you know, the raw food diet exactly. has, has, has really helped, you know, exactly. some people might not even need insulin exactly. or need less I'm medicine. More. <laughs> oh, for real? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm a vegetarian. I'm a, I'm a, I raised my hand. Oh, wow. I'm a member. That is so awesome. Mm-hmm. Wow. But that's my choice. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. my choice. It might not be the choice for that person who's living with diabetes next door. Mm-hmm. Right. They may need something else for their diet. I'm just saying that my choice is my my decision to be, you know, eat, you know, vegetarian or raw is 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 right. It's right for me. Mm-hmm. Huh? Right. Yeah. Hmm. So, are you going to come out with a cookbook after you come out with your memoir? Probably so. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I, I was trying uh, raw. I think I was in raw for like about a month, six weeks, and, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to just be vegan right at the moment because I don't know how to cook enough, and I've been hungry. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, but there are, there are cookbooks that are, you know, preparing books mm-hmm. to show you. It, it, it's a whole school. I know, I know. <laughs> I'd rather just hire somebody. Just come in and cook my meals for the yes, week. Yes, there you go. Fix there my meals go. for the week. Well, that's what I do. I don't really prepare my foods. I go, I go to the restaurant around the corner. Point, I get me a week's supply of food, and I'm fine. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, yeah. when I'm on the road, you know, I you know, and see, being on the road is another thing mm. because in the, on the road, you you don't you can't find you know the foods that I eat in every everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I eat a lot of salads. You know, I choose what I choose. You know, to eat. Yes. And I usually carry what I what I need with me. Mm-hmm. That's my choice. That's that's my choice. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to get your own. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I found when I was traveling, like when I go out of the country, mm-hmm. one of my suitcases just has food, like uh-huh. exactly. nuts and and, mm-hmm. and supplements exactly. and this exactly. and that. <laughs> yes, because when I fly, I tell them when I fly, I say, you know, give me a vegan plate. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, when I have a chance to order, that's what I do. If I don't, I take my nuts and I take, you know, my mm-hmm. food that I eat. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I look at the person next door and they got all this. You know, they, that's their choice for their life. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not judging anybody. Right. What's right for me is right for me. What's <laughs> right for them is right for them. And let's all get up the mountaintop together. Don't let nobody on the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. don't kick anybody off the mountaintop. <laughs> right. No, there's room for all of us, that's for sure. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, Wow. So um, tell us about some of your, um, you know, your mentors and uh, folks that. Sammy, Frank, all the boys, you know, Mm -hmm. Nina Simone and, Mm -hmm. you know, and all those people. Diana Walsh, Calvin McCray. Mm, Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are people I grew up on, you know, Mm. Etta James. Wow. Ray Charles. Yeah. Wow. The list goes on and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, right across the street from me, had I known when I was a child, I'd have paid a little bit more attention, was Mm -hmm. it was a a shoeshine parlor. Mm -hmm. And in those days, you had the Blue Law in Brooklyn, right? Uh That meant there was no alcohol on Sunday. 
wow. All the liquor stores shut down. So all the deacons from the churches would line up at Tip Tap and Toe to get their shoes shined. I used to find that strange until I found out that Tip Tap and Toe was a vaudeville act. Mm. And they used to tap dance while they would shine shoes. Yeah. And they pop their rags and they put on a show, you know, for the deacons when they came in to get their shoes shine and they served them little Dixie cups. And I thought it was water, but it was liquor. Oh, the deacons <laughs> had liquor on the blue oh, Sunday? Yeah, yeah. They'd stack up on liquor, you know, uh, on a Friday and Saturday. And uh-huh. put it in the back. And then they'd sell little Dixie cups of shots of liquor before the, pre- the, 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 the deacons with the church. <laughs> well, they got their shoes shine, but they would put on a show. They'd pop their rags and they would dance. And those kids used to press our nose up against the window and watch them in awe. Mm. They'd play jazz and they'd dance to act like that, you know? Wow, that's mm. really cool. I've, I've had people like that in my life. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I've had I've had a man, you know, Flip Wilson, my God, yeah. you know, Jimmy Slide, and you know, oh. I've had some amazing people touch my life. You know, Sandman Sims used to travel around with me, trying to show me how to tap. I'm a, I'm a jazz dancer. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Like he would, you know, he would travel around with me. I mean, these are amazing trainers. Mm-hmm. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You know. Uh. Wow. Yeah. wow. Della Reese. Della Reese. I just went to her house the other day. Oh, yeah. She yeah, was Della She was Reese. here at the Rass Room. Um, yes, I love Della. She is you know, wonderful. Matter of fact, we're with, but she gave me a script. She wants me to work on a director for her. You know, yes. so I'm working on that. You know, people have <laughs> touched my lives. Mm-hmm. Nancy Wilson. Oh, you know, really? Jimmy, Jimmy Smith. My God. Uh. <laughs> Come on. You know? Mm. Jesus. Oh, little, wow. Little, 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 I mean, amazing. Amazing, Kenneth James. Yeah. Wow. I mean, the legacy goes on and on. You know, the Temptations, Mm -hmm. the OJs. Oh man, you know the Trinias, as I said. You know, when I came to Vegas, I saw. I mean, and it was I I was I was opening for a guy named um, Alan King. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, there was a guy named Buster Keith. And they had a big, huge fan on the stage of Caesar's Palace, and he just standing and leaning to the into the wind. That was his act. <laughs> oh, it was hysterical. Chubby Checker was right across the street. Mm-hmm. And this is a little kid from Brooklyn. My first time in Vegas when it was a desert. When Vegas was Vegas. Now it's, you know, Disneyland for adults. You know, <laughs> in yeah. those days it was Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I just hang out with these guys. Mm-hmm. We'd sit around the table. And I'd sit around. I was playing the Riviera. And I'd sit around the table. And it was, it was uh, Bill Cosby, Richard Pryor, um, there was uh, Sticky Green, there was uh, Flip Wilson, there was um, 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 Don Rickles, and they'd be sitting around trying to out-joke each other. Mm. And they'd start at like 4 or 5 in the morning, and they'd be there till 10 o'clock, and your sides would be hurting. <laughs> hurting. Wow. You know, this is the legacy that I come from. Mm-hmm. You know, and Sammy Davis. Yeah. My God, Sammy, you know. Oh, God, he touched my life. Oh, he touched my life. Mm-hmm. You know, we met on the set of, I met him in Vegas, I tell the story in my, in my act, mm-hmm. but we met in Vegas, and uh, he, he, he once said, you know, you know, if you want to get in this business, come talk to me, and, and then we met again on, on, on the set of Sweet, uh, Sweet Charity, right. but then he took me to London with him, and that's when I found my family, of course, but, uh, you know, we went to London, we did Golden Boy in London, and hanging out with him was an amazing, amazing, amazing journey. Mm-hmm. So I've been really blessed. I've had some wonderful people in my life. The list goes on and on and on and on. When I was in high school, I went to a school called the Bernice Johnson's Dance School. Mm-hmm. And Bernice Johnson one day said, so I want to take my dance troupe over to 
to Pittsburgh. And we're going to do the Pittsburgh, the first Pittsburgh Jazz Festival. Mary Lou Williams put it on. Wow, on, Mary on Lou the, Williams? Mary oh, my Lou goodness. Williams put it on. And on the show was Dakota Staten, Jimmy Smith, Thelonious oh. Monk, um, uh, Harold Betters, uh, and the list goes on, Joe Williams, and he was at Mom's Mabley, oh. and I'm in the wings watching these cats. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like blown away. I mean, it was amazing. Some Dakota Staten. Oh, that's a legacy I come from. <laughs> so wonder you're so great. You've got, like, all these models. Like, okay, well, you you know what greatness is. Yes, I do. Yeah, because I, I just think about our young folks. Um, mm-hmm. The reason why they don't live up to their potential is because they don't know who they are. Because yeah. if they knew who they were, they would say, oh, this is beneath me. I can't do that. Well, we don't teach them that, do we? No. 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 We teach them how to make a living instead of how to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Wow, wow. And and Red Fox? Um... Oh, Red Fox. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Red Fox and Chucky Green, all those guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. So have have things got easier pig for meat, you? Pig Meat Markham. Oh, for real? Wow. Yeah. Mom's May. I told you Mom's May. Yeah. There was this gorgeous woman walked into the Pittsburgh Jazz Festival. Mm-hmm. She was gorgeous, mm. and she walks into her room, and Mom's neighbor walks out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Now that'll blow your mind. That'll blow your mind. Mm. This gorgeous woman walks in, and then she she goes in the room and gets into this character, and walks out as Mom's neighbor. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Flip Wilson, mm-hmm. you know, as I said, you know. Yeah. Um, Godfrey Cambridge. Oh, wow. You know, all these yeah. cats, you know, I knew mm. all these guys. Mm. Brock Peters, mm. you know, I knew yeah. all these cats. And of course, Gregory Hines, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the Hines brothers, Hines, Hines, and Dad. Mm. You mm-hmm. know, these are all the guys that I grew up under, yeah. you know, watching wow. these guys. Mm. Just, just blown away. And I wasn't in the theater. You know, the first show I did was a show called The Prodigal Son mm-hmm. out of high school. Uh-huh. Uh, it was directed by a woman named Vinette Carroll. I don't know if you know her. Mm-hmm. She's, she's an African woman, African American woman, and she directed a show called "Your Arms Are Too Short to Box." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's and famous. She did the yeah. And oh. one day I was leaving the theater, and this guy walks up to me and he says, uh, "You know, uh, uh, where's the men's dressing room?" And I said, "Well, it's back there." And he looked at me and said, "Oh," he says, "By the way," he says, he says, "You're Benjamin Vereen, aren't you?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, my name is Langston Hughes." <gasps> he said, uh, "Can I buy you dinner?" <laughs> and we became good friends. Langston Hughes? Are you serious? Langston Hughes. Oh, my God. He invited me up to his place in Harlem, and he sat there and he gave me two of his books, One There's I Wanda and, and The Big Sea. Oh. And he told me stories. His travel books. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Langston Hughes. Oh, my yes, God. Yes, yes. Oh. Do you still have the books? Oh, yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I oh, do. My, did, matter of fact, my daughter collects all my stuff because I, I'm traveling so much. She just holds on to things. She's that's a collector. Good. She's a filmmaker, Quran. And oh. So she holds on to things for me, you know. So, you know, and she and, she and my, my grandson, they live with me now, so I'm excited about that. Oh, my God. Langston Hughes. Langston Hughes, yes. Oh, did you know James Baldwin, too? Excuse me? Did you know James Baldwin, too? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. James Baldwin and I sat together in Paris. 
Oh, okay. No, yeah, in, in, in uh, um, where was it? It was in south of France. Yeah, because yeah, that's yeah. where Nina Simone lived, too, in south of France. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. And we were, I was in a club, and uh, George uh, um, Shearing and, and um, James mm. Baldwin, we were all sitting at the table. And, this, and, uh, and uh, um, that was the night that uh, Princess Grace came to see my show mm. at the Sportsman's Club. Wow. And and I was flying home, and I was flying from to France, uh, from France back to the United States, and I read the paper. That's when she had, she, had, she came to see me, and she later she died. Oh. Uh, she had that accident, um, Princess Grace. Yeah. And, and I did a show called The Night of a Hundred Stars. I don't give me a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm just even dying to read them out. Now you just open, you open the floodgate now. <laughs> but I did a show called The Night of a Hundred Stars. Mm-hmm. Alex Cohen. Wanted to have 100 stars on the stage at, at Radio City. He got over 200. Wow, stars. nice. I mean, I'm walking around, and, you know, people say, you know, I'm, I'm hearing, hi, Ben. And I, I'm in the elevator, and there's Paul Newman and, and you know, and Joanne Woodworth and, and Sammy Davis, Frank Sinatra, mm-hmm. and there's Lauren Chaney. There's, you know, there's uh, Douglas Fairbanks Jr., you know, and, and, and so we, we do this, this picture, you know, on, on these raptors, all the stars. There's 200 some odd stars. Mm-hmm. And there's some beautiful woman. I was trying to make it down the, these, these steps. As so I reach down, I hand her my hand, and I get down to the bottom of the stairs, and she turns to me, she says, thank you, Ben. And it was Princess Grace. Oh. Yeah, my knees went weak. <laughs> 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 and then it comes by, now she came back to see me when I was in France, mm-hmm. in her hometown. You know, so I met her, you know, Prince Rainier and all those people. Mm-hmm. So I've had a wonderful, wonderful, thankful life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thankful. I'm so thankful to, to you know, to my God, my understanding that has allowed me this opportunity, the opportunity to talk to you. This is really wonderful. With you, yeah. you know, and you know, and you know, in your journey, this is beautiful. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you. you so thank much. You. This is from, wow, and wow, the audiences are going to just be in for such a treat. Um, I'm so know. excited about coming back to San Francisco. Yeah. You know, I, I came up to San Francisco hmm. driving a mail truck. Really? In the 60s. It was a 1954 mail truck, and I lived in it. You lived in it? I lived in this mail truck, and I parked behind the Orpheum Theater to do air. Huh. And one morning I woke up and I was being towed away. In, while you were in there? Yeah, while I was in the truck. Oh, man. <laughs> That's how I first came to San Francisco. Wow, San Francisco, and, wow. I mean, they tell you now. They were telling people then, too, huh? <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> and I got an apartment. Huh. And I ended up, you know, I ended up doing No Place to Be Somebody if you have my Charles Cardone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I heard about, you know, No Place to Be Somebody, because um, Lorraine Hansberry Theater, um, um, yes. you know, it, has, it has a new home now right there on Post. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know Stanley, uh, you knew Stanley Williams and, and Clinton, um, Clinton Easter then? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow, this is amazing. So, so it's really interesting. You're going to be here June 12th through 17th, just just one week, and yes, and I can just yes. see how each each. If, I mean, I know you're going to have your routine, but you could actually start out on one at, at one point, and then just oh, over yeah. the course of the of the week, yeah, we just, you know, we leave off go. where you left off and just keep on going with the story. <laughs> we didn't have a party. We didn't have a party. I'm yeah. excited about coming home, to San Francisco. Yeah, my city by the bay. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, so who are you? Who's who's your band? Are you bringing your own people? Yes, I'm bringing um, David Loeb on the keyboards. I'm mm. bringing uh, I'm bringing a fantastic cast been with me for years. Mm. Um, Mark Pucciani on drums mm. and a guy named Tom Kennedy on the bass. 
Nice. And, and, and if you're lucky, mm. my son will perform. Your son? He plays djembe. Oh, seriously? If you're lucky, if you're lucky. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's going to come up the last night because we're going from there to Australia. Oh. And from Australia, we're going to New York City. And so I'm working on a show, mm-hmm. uh, which we're going to be working on in, in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And we're taking it to uh, Australia. And then we're coming back to Broadway right. and uh, to open the thing called uh, for 54 Below. And then that's the start of a show, which we're calling The Last of the Showmen, which we're taking, we're going to bring back to Broadway uh, next season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's, that's really something. So, so you're still working it when you when you go to Australia. Yes, yes, still okay, working. Still fine tuning it. Still, still mm-hmm. refining it. We fine tuning it, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, then we're gonna then we're gonna blow it out and do a bigger rendition of the show for for next season. Mm-hmm. And I want to bring it back to San Francisco. Oh, that would so, be so yeah, nice. So yeah, we pray for it because it's gonna be really. I get to pay tribute to all the wonderful people who've touched my life mm-hmm. and talk about what it was like and what it is like. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I, you know, I, I get to touch some wonderful people's. You know, my godsons, Usher. You know, I get to touch you know, Big Boy and all these cats. And, yeah, I thought that was so know. cool. You know that. Um, uh, see, what was that? That film, um, Idlewood. Um, Idlewild. Yeah. Idlewild. Yeah, and then there was another one too, um, where you actually, um, you know, you were able to to share, you know, voice lessons and acting techniques and things like that, and and basically sort of intergenerational kind of sharing. You yes, know, being being yes. the elder, uh, you know, and, and, and having, you know, youth or younger artists that are interested in in, yes. uh, in this living legacy that you embody. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I just want to pass it on. Mm-hmm. It's not mine to keep. Yeah. So when's your book coming out? Huh. <laughs> as soon as the play comes out next year. <laughs> okay. We try to make it the same time. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we've been looking for that. Maybe I can, uh, I can have you on again to talk about that. I'd like that. I'd like that very much. Oh, cool. Well, I'm so looking forward to you um, when you come to town with your stepping out with Denver Vereen. That should be really <laughs> cool you, at the Raz Room at Hotel Nico. All Thank right, you. super. Well, until then, got a couple of weeks, um, uh, you know, safe travels and um, and, you know, you know, good, good, good luck in, in all your in all of your endeavors. And thank, thank you so you. much for this great conversation. It's been so fun. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right, <laughs> you take good care. Have a wonderful day. Okay. Right, you too. Peace and blessings. Bye bye.